Now tonight again, I appreciate you being here, and we want you to uh, listen now and listen to the words of the songs as well as to the dialogue uh, tonight in the drama, because it will really speak to your hearts and has a great message in it. So sit back and ready to listen now to the Easter Lily.
Mrs. Rose Kellogg and her husband Henry were permanent fixtures at the historic downtown People's Bible Church. Between the two of them, they kept the church spick and span. Most of the other members had long ago moved to the suburbs, but Rose and Henry faithfully maintained their quaint little stone cottage right next door to the church. The highlight of Rose's week was teaching the elementary Sunday school class. She was forever looking for new ideas to keep the attention of her wiggling Bible scholars. When Rose showed Henry her latest brainstorm, he shrieked with laughter. <laughs> Rose, what is it? A deformed onion? My lands, Henry, haven't you ever seen a flower bulb before? Uh, I guess not, but why would you want to give them to your Sunday school kids? Where's your imagination? Can't you see it's the perfect illustration of Easter? I think they'd uh, probably appreciate onions a whole lot more, Rose. Don't you ever think of anything but food, Henry. Not if I don't have to. Um, by the way, since you brought it up, what's for dinner? Flower bulbs. Now don't go getting worked up, Rose. I was just joking. Well, I think that the kids will be able to take them home and, well, do you think it's a good idea? I don't know, Rose. What are kids supposed to do with them anyways? Well, they'll take them home, they'll plant them, and they'll watch them grow. And then they can bring them back to my classroom on Easter Sunday. It will be so beautiful. Sounds mighty complicated if you ask me, Rose. Can't you just do something normal for a change, like give out chocolate Easter eggs? Oh, how creative. Well, you can, we can get them cheap down at the Walmart, you know. And what would the kids learn from chocolate Easter eggs, pray tell? Well, lots of things, Rose. Name one. Well, well they'd, learn that, they'd learn that Easter's a real, Easter's a real sweet time. Remarkable. I thought so. Besides, I could e eat the leftovers. Oh, Henry. <laughs> the following Sunday, Mrs. Kellogg gave an earnest Sunday school lesson before she distributed the bulbs to her class. She also gave each child a little booklet entitled How to Plant and Care for an Easter Lily. Oh, boys and girls, I want you to look at these flower bulbs. They're going to teach us something very important about Easter. They look dead, don't they? And they're not very pretty to look at either. But by Easter, these bulbs are going to be transformed into beautiful, stately Easter lilies. And that is the lesson of Easter. You know, boys and girls, almost 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself and he was crucified on a cross to pay for that sin. When they put his body in the grave, not only was he dead, but he was a horrible sight too. Those soldiers had beaten him so badly that he didn't even look human anymore. But three days later, out of death came life. Out of ugliness came beauty, and out of the grave came the lily of Easter. 
Some of the children looked bored, and some pouted because the bulbs were not cookies or candy. But there was one pair of impish brown eyes that never left Mrs. Kellogg's face, and two thin little hands that clutched tightly to the mysterious flower bulb. These eyes and hands were strangers to the teacher, so when Sunday school ended, all right, goodbye, children. Have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday. Bye. Oh, hold on a minute. I don't believe I've seen you here before, my young lady. I can come here if I want. It's a free country, ain't it? Of course it is, dear, and I'm so glad you came. It just makes my day when I have a visitor in my Sunday school class. I ain't no visitor. I came on a dare. A dare? Yeah. Big John said he'd give me a Snickers bar if I came to the rich folks' church. The rich folks? Oh, I may not belong here myself. Are they going to kick you out, too? Oh, child, nobody's going to kick anybody out. Now, come on, let's go to church. We can sit together. No, I got to get home. I've been here long enough. What's the rush? It's a long time till dinner. I got to plant my onion before it dies. You said I could keep it, and you can't take it back now. Oh. I'm not going to take it back. I want you to keep it so you can learn the Easter miracle. Now, I just want you to promise me one thing. What? That you'll come back again next Sunday. I ain't promising nothing. Well, if you come back, I'll, I'll give you some fertilizer to help your flower grow. For free? Absolutely. I'll think about it. With that, the mysterious little visitor was out the door like a flash. She ran the six blocks home to Keene, Georgia Street, burst in the front door, and flew up the stairs into her tiny attic bedroom. Polly Catherine Potter, don't you ever come crashing into the house like that again. I'm going to swallow my false teeth. Sorry, Aunt Millie. Earl, Earl, you don't do something about that little tornado of yours. She's going to be the death of me. Sorry, Millie. Sorry, sorry, sorry ain't enough. I want some peace and quiet. Is that too much to ask? No, Millie. Now calm yourself. Remember your blood you pressure. watch a movie nowadays without some little wildcat tearing up the house. I'll talk to her, Millie. Well, you better do more than talk, brother dear. After Earl's wife had left him, Millie moved in with her brother promising to be the mother that Polly needed. Unfortunately, Millie did little more than watch television, and Polly did pretty much as she pleased. Earl was kind to his only child, but a little afraid of her quick temper and sharp tongue. What you doing? Just thinking. About what? Something. What you got there? Got where? You ain't been stealing again, girl, have you? No, I ain't been stealing again. Someone gave me some for free. Is that a crime now, too? No, if that's what really happened. Dad, flowers come from onions. Onions? Look here. What is it? Somebody told me that if I put this thing in some dirt, that it turned into a beautiful Easter lily. They were lying, weren't they? I don't know. Of course, I don't believe a word of it. Do you? You're asking the wrong person. I know nothing about flowers. Well, do you think that maybe you could give me a flower pot? 
Maybe a real pretty one? Well, I'll see what I can scrounge up. Now don't go telling on me, Dad. I'd be the laughingstock of the whole neighborhood any of the kids found out. My lips are sealed. For now, you and me are the onlyest ones that'll ever know. If anything happens, it'll be a surprise. Now don't get your hopes up too high, Millie. Um, I, I, I reckon it'd take a miracle to get an Easter lily out of that old brown onion. Looks dead, don't it? Deader in a door now. Let's go. 
The next evening, Earl stopped by a garden shop and splurged on a small, small flower pot and some potting soil. He was glad that Polly had taken an interest in something harmless for a change. He was also pleased at the thought of a secret bond between them. When Earl got home, he quietly slipped into the house and sneaked past Aunt Millie, who was absorbed in the television. He tiptoed up the stairs and found Polly examining her flower bulb. And when he took the flower pot out of the bag, Polly squealed with delight. Together, they planted the bulb and set it right in front of a small attic window. The next Sunday, Polly found her way back to Mrs. Kellogg's class, and after Sunday school, she had a thousand questions. Okay, bye. Have a great week. I did everything just like you said, but there still ain't no flower. It's a trick, ain't it? It's no trick, Polly. Then when's it gonna happen? You just have to be patient. Well, my Easter bulb has been in the ground for seven days, and you said it only took three. Oh no, it only took Jesus three days to rise from the dead. It takes Easter lilies a little bit longer. I knew it was too good to be true but you're gonna probably begin to see some signs of life really soon. It's the miracle of Easter. Miracles don't really happen. Oh, yes they do, and I know firsthand. My wicked old heart used to be just like that flower bulb of yours, all shriveled up and dead. You ain't done a wicked thing in your life, and you know it. Oh, Polly, if only you knew. I've done lots of bad things, but when I asked Jesus to be my savior, he forgave me and made me a new creation. He did an Easter miracle right inside of me. Did a flower start going out of your heart? Well, I've never heard it put quite that way before, but you may just have something there. Did you remember to bring my fertilizer? Oh, I sure did. It's right here in this bag. Now, I want you to follow these directions right here and don't forget the water and the sunlight. I won't forget, promise. Polly was more excited than ever. She ran all the way home, burst in the door, raced up the stairs to her room, once again scaring Aunt Millie half to death. Earl Watson Potter! If you don't civilize that brat of yours, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Now, now calm yourself, Millie. Calm? How can I be calm when I'm having a heart attack? Millie, she's just a rambunctious kid. What am I supposed to do? Nail her feet to the floor. Put concrete in her shoes, I don't care. Just do something. I'll do what I can, Millie. Well, you better get moving. Oh, I just missed my favorite commercial. <laughs> Earl hurried up the stairs and stopped short at Polly's door. He proceeded cautiously. Millie's wrath was nothing compared to Polly's, 
So he knocked very gently. Go away. Can I come in? No. I, but I'd just like to talk to you. Sorry. Just for a minute, please. Fine, but just for a minute. What you doing? Just watching my Easter miracle. I don't see anything. That's because there ain't nothing to see. Don't, don't give up yet, Polly. It's only been a week. I knew it was too good to be true. I put fertilizer on it and everything. Well, I can just say just don't give up on it. You haven't told anyone about my miracle, have you? No, not even your Aunt Millie. Good. I'd be the laughingstock of the whole neighborhood if the kids found out. Even though Polly was losing hope, she still faithfully watered her Easter bulb and moved it around her little attic room so that it got as much sunlight as possible. Rose Kellogg continued to pray for Polly. The next night at dinner, Rose shared her concern with Henry. Dear, dear Lord, thank you for this food that we're about to have. Oh, Henry. I'm so sorry, but we really need to pray for Polly Potter's bulb. Pray, pray for what? Polly Potter. You remember, she's the little girl I told you about who lives down on King George's Street. Ah, uh, yes, the little princess from King George's Village. Henry, I'm serious. We really need to pray that Polly's bulb will sprout, and sprout soon. Are, are you sure she didn't eat it? Henry. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey, but I'm starved. Someone's knocking at the front door. I'll get it. Oh, no, sweetheart. You sit right there. I wouldn't want you to miss your dinner. Remember how starved you are. What did I ever do to deserve such a wonderful woman? Oh, please. When I got up this morning, there were five little green things just poking up out of the dirt. Oh, that's so wonderful, Polly. What do I do now? Now you just wait and watch the Easter miracle happen. Is there really going to be a flower? Oh, yes, a great, big, beautiful Easter lily. Well, I ain't saying I believe it, but if a flower comes out of this dirty old dirt, I'm going to do it to my heart, too. Do what? The Easter miracle.
Polly sat in her room for hours studying each shining leaf of her developing lily. Every morning, she woke up early, hoping to discover new signs of life. When at last the first flower bud appeared, she clapped her hands and jumped up and down with excitement. Earl Watson Potter, get up there and tell that daughter of yours to pipe down, trying to sleep. Polly, what's all the excitement about? Dad, it's coming true. It really is. What? My Easter miracle. Oh, what a cute little flower bud. If it really happens, I'm going to do it too. D do what? Grow a flower right inside my heart. What are you talking about, girl? Quiet down up there, I'll throw you both out. Every Sunday, Polly faithfully reported to Sunday school to make sure she was doing everything right and to get more fertilizer. As Easter approached, she began listening very attentively to every word of the Bible lesson. I can't believe it, teacher. My flower is this tall, and it's got two great big white flowers that just can't wait to pop open. Oh, Polly. Isn't God's creation beautiful? It sure is, ma'am. Isn't it about time that you became a new creation too, Polly? Yes, it is, and I've got it all planned. You do? Yeah. I'm gonna do the Easter miracle. Wow. Polly, Jesus does the Easter miracle. You don't do it. Well, then I could ask him to do it on Easter. Are you sure you ought to wait, dear? Sure, I'm sure. I can't do anything till my flower's in full bloom. Why? Because I need it for my meeting. What meeting? My special Easter meeting. All through the next week, Polly was quiet and thoughtful. Many times, Aunt Millie looked at her curiously, wondering what was wrong. Are you, Polly? No, just busy thinking about my Easter meeting. Your what? My meeting. I'm going to ask everybody in King George's Village to come over here on Sunday morning. Oh, all the harebrained ideas! Polly, we'd never fit everybody in here. Well, maybe they could just stand out front, as long as they could see my surprise. What surprise? I couldn't tell you or it wouldn't be such a surprise now, would it? Never heard of such crazy notions. This is what happens from her going to that uppity church. Well, Tony said that he could bring his accordion and play some real pretty. I don't know, Polly. Oh, no, and I can bake cookies for the whole neighborhood. Oh, really? You're the greatest. Uh, Polly, I, I didn't mean, I mean, How I generous. Ugh. Polly began to spread the word about her Easter meeting. She gave strict orders for everybody in the neighborhood to arrive at, at 11 o'clock sharp on Sunday morning. Since she was so well known for her temper, nobody dared refuse her to her face. When Easter Sunday finally arrived, Rose Kellogg had a flash of inspiration during breakfast. Henry, do you know where King George's Village is? Yes, I'm afraid I do have that honor. 
uh, a most aristocratic uh, neighborhood indeed. Well, I need to go there today. Rose, it's Easter. I know, Henry, but I need to check up on one of my bulbs. I'm leaving right after Sunday school. You can't go into that slum alone. You're such a gentleman. Thank you so much for offering to drive me there. I did? You did. Right after Sunday school, Henry and Rose climbed into their 1975 Volkswagen Beetle and sputtered off toward Keene George's village. They didn't have any trouble finding Polly's house. There were people everywhere. After Henry parked the car, he and Rose made their way toward the crowd. There, Polly stood on a rickety old front porch holding a magnificent Easter lily. It's the truth. I didn't believe in myself, but this flower used to be just an old brown onion. Are you sure you ain't lying, child? I promise, Aunt Millie. Well, how come I ain't seen it before? Because I kept it a secret in my room. Folks, it's true. I saw it myself. It came from just an old brown onion. And you know what? Every one of us is no better than an old brown smelly onion, especially me. I've been ugly and hateful all my life, and you guys can't deny it, but today I'm changing that. I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart, to save me, to make me beautiful, just like my Easter lily. The tears started to flow, and Polly felt a kind arm slip around her shoulder. Rose Kellogg's sweet voice took over. Her lovely glowing face held the attention of everyone. My dear friends, I want to tell you my favorite story in the whole world, the Easter story. 2,000 years ago, God looked down and saw that man was wicked and dead in sin. So he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay our penalty. After Jesus was crucified, his body was lovingly placed in a borrowed grave. But three days later, Christ rose and showed us the wonderful truth of Easter. What is that truth? Well, Jesus put it this way. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Rose Kellogg beautifully told the story of salvation that day, and many in Keynes, George's village became a new creation. Polly, true to her word, trusted Christ as her savior, and so did her father. Even Aunt Millie trusted Christ as well. Polly proudly displayed her Easter lily in, in the front window all the next week, proclaiming to all the world that Jesus Christ transforms death into life, and brokenness into beauty. Polly's life became a living example that Christ can make us into a new creation. Old things pass away, and all things become new.
Amen. And I tell you, that was a tremendous presentation. As I said, it's my first time seeing it, and yet, what a wonderful story. Just think, uh, that little girl is just like so many people in the world. She comes home to a dad that's not really the head of the house, and he's not really the kind that takes charge in doing the right things, and yet he cares for his daughter. And the mother is just stepmom. She's just kind of uh, bad attitude all the way. But you know, what is important is this. When she received that bulb, I mean, you look at a, that little brown onion, as they said. Nothing about it looks nice. Nothing about it looks good. It's not anything that someone would want to have. It's just that little brown onion. And to say, you can plant that in the ground, and it's going to come out this great, big, beautiful thing. Oh, no. No, that can't happen. And here's this little girl. Bad attitude and all. And she's hearing a story that she's heard for the first time. And she hears that story for the first time. She's thinking, well, that's just like the stories they watch on television. You know, it's some miracle that never happens. But what happens? She takes it home. Maybe her attitude is, it's not going to work. Or maybe it's, I want to prove her wrong. But whatever the attitude is, she goes through with it. And what a picture. That brown onion. Nothing to desire. On top of that, she's given the fertilizer. She's got all of that stuff that's placed on top of it. Nothing beautiful about that. But what a picture. The Bible says that Jesus Christ became sin for us. He didn't become a sinner, but he became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. In other words, every sin that you or I have ever committed was placed upon him. Rose told Polly, oh, I've done many sins. In other words, she was letting Polly know that she didn't deserve salvation, but Jesus Christ gave it to her. And she was planting that seed that would grow from her heart at that time. Well, as we know, uh, Beautiful white lily comes up out of the ground. Beautiful thing. And, you know, Jesus Christ is sometimes referred to in our songs and even in Scripture as the lily of the valley. And so here is one who had every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit placed upon him there at Calvary's tree. The father looked down. It was his only begotten son. And that 
sin of mine and, and of all of ours and of the whole world was placed on His Son. And because God is an all-holy God, He had to pour out His wrath, almighty wrath. And to think of almighty wrath, He was the creator of the heaven and the earth. He's the one that commanded the flood to come, and, and they do come. He's the one who named every star. He's the one that set the courses of the stars. He's the one that has the mountains weighed in His hands. Almighty power and strength. And yet, when all of that stuff that Jesus hates, that His holiness hates, but it was His Son but he pours out the wrath on his son to punish totally every sin for which his son died. He shed his blood. That's a special blood because he had no sin of himself. It was pure blood. It was the only blood that could atone for our sin. And so after all that sin is there, we see He comes out of a tomb, alive. He appears to on over 500 people and a large group of people see him when he ascends into heaven. The Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene seen him right after his resurrection and went up to touch him. And he said, touch me not, I have not yet ascended unto my Father. Why would he say, touch me not? Later he would tell all the disciples to touch him because he had not yet applied that blood in heaven at the mercy seat before his Father that would be that which could pay the sin for every person that would ever live on the face of this earth. If they receive him. And see, that's the point. Polly saw the miracle of the lily. Taking something that was nothing desirable to look at, nothing desirable to have, and it's brought into a thing of beauty. The Bible also tells us that of many different stories. For an example, there's a lady named Rahab. She was a harlot. But when she turned to the Lord, she would later, or should I say Jesus would later, come from that line. Rahab and those that followed her and one of those that followed her was Mary. 
who would bear the Christ child. That would be the offering for our sin. There was the Apostle Paul, a murderer. On we could go from the Bible of evil, of sin, and yet the Lord was able to change their lives just like it could change Polly. And my friend, I'm saying that to say this. Polly had to commit herself to that flower. She had to commit herself and stick with it and water it. And it became that. And when she realized what it became, she told other people. She brought other people in. Come and hear. Come and see. It doesn't matter how deep you've fallen into the dregs of sin. The Bible says that all have sinned. Not, there's not one person on the face of this earth that hasn't. All have sinned. And because of that, everyone needs a Savior. But what he did for that lily, what he did for Polly, is what he can do for anyone. He can take a life that's been filled with the sins of this life. Oh, we live in a day when it's drugs, perversion, and all type of sin. But he can take the person in the very midst of that and change their lives and make them a picture of beauty. I'm not just talking about a flower, a lily, when it's in bloom. I'm talking about the person that he can make something beautiful out of you that has an effect on other lives and eternity. But just like Polly, the first life that it has to affect is yourself. And only Jesus Christ can do that. He must be received into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior. You see, when he died, he was dying for every sin you've ever committed. When he rose up from the dead, he had victory over hell and death. The Bible says in Revelation 1.18 that he has the keys of hell and of death. In other words, the only way you're going to have eternal life and not suffer in that eternal lake of fire, the only way will be through receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Turning to him, the Bible says repentance. Repentance is not just saying, well, I'm going to quit this, I'm going to quit that, and I'm going to quit this. No, it's just saying, Jesus I'm a sinner. I can't do anything to get rid of it. Please cleanse me of that sin. Take it from me. And come into my heart and life as my Lord and God and Savior. Save me. I give you my life right now. And he will save you. Why? Because God has never lied. And he's not lying about that. There was a purpose <clears throat> in sending his son to die for our sin. Can you say right now, not comparing yourself to 
the mother and dad. But can you just say right now, I know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. What would your reason be? Would it be, well, I, I've lived a good life. Oh, God's going to weigh my good against my bad, <clears throat> and my good will outweigh my bad. That's not what the Bible says, though. See, your good is measured by what perhaps man says is good. But it's not what God says is good. He said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. That's why he died for you, because he knew. He knew that we all come short. But he made salvation a free offer to us because we don't pay the penalty. He paid it for us. We receive him as our Lord and Savior. So can you give a good Bible reason why you know if you died today that heaven's your home? Is there that time where he, you received him as your Lord and Savior? And now you know from that day to this day, you know that if you died, that you'd go to heaven because He is in your heart. He is in your life. He is your Savior. You know that. And if you can't say, yes, I know that for certain. See, you can't be laying on a deathbed and say, I hope so. Lord says in 1 John chapter 5, you can know. You can know. So what I'm going to say is right here, right now, since he made the promise that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, he can save you. Save you from your sin. And saving us from sin means he not only saves us from the power of sin, but from the penalty of sin, of eternal eternity in a lake of fire, never being able to cease to exist and never being able to escape, but instead give you eternal life in heaven. So when this spirit departs from this body and goes before God, you can be with Him throughout all eternity, having received Him as your Lord and Savior. If you're not sure of that tonight, that if you died, that heaven's your home, then I want to give you that opportunity. So I'm going to ask everyone right now, everyone in the auditorium, to bow your head. Close your eyes. Don't be looking around. But rather, I'm going to pray a prayer. The prayer that I pray would only be words if a person doesn't mean it. But if you really want Jesus Christ into your heart and life as your Savior, as your God, as your Lord, you want to give Him your life right now to do just like with Polly in this drama that we had. It changed her life where now she is something rather than that mean person, the right person. And you'd like to do that right now. 
then I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer silently as I pray it out loud. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross and died for my sins. I believe three days later, he rose up from the dead. I right now call upon you, Lord, to cleanse me of my sins, to forgive me, and to come in to my heart and life and save my soul right now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, folks, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant that,